Alright, so wait, do I call you Alan or Mr. Mr. Tang? What's Whichever, the formality? Yeah, at this point, you've graduated, so it doesn't matter. Is it, it like, is it kind of weird to just go from like, like, when you started as a teacher, is it kind of weird to be called Mr. Tang? Maybe like the first week or so, and then eventually you're just used to it. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, like, it's kind of weird to just call, get called by your last name. It is, but I think at the end, it is an institution rule. It's more like that's just the rule of the, the place you're yeah, in It'd be weird moment. if your friends called you that, but... Oh, yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, but that would be very you're weird. You're kind of put into this, this new space where students call you that, so I guess you could kind of play the role as a teacher. Yeah, of. well, I mean, like, like sometimes we I hesitate with that role, too. Like, I bump into an older teacher of mine, and then, like, I know this teacher as Mr. So-and-so. So, for example, at Newtonbrook, the principal, it used to be my chem teacher, right? So I called him Mr. Zupo. But like now, like that, I'm like, you know, I would never call Miss McLaughlin, Miss McLaughlin. I would call her Allison. That's her oh, name. You, oh, yeah. Yeah. But then I w- I, when I went up to Mr. Zupo, to me, he was Mr. Zupo. So it was very weird. I was like, like, it, it sounds like. In the I'm, same way, it's kind of weird for me to call you Alan now. Like that. I know, like, I know. Because you're like, used to sort of calling Mr. Tang and all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. And I, I don't mind. It doesn't really matter. But it's like when you're there, you're supposed to call by the name, uh, the last name, because it is the school rule kind of thing. Oh, so it's, like you're like, you have a sense of authority or? Yes. It's, well, it's more of, you know, everything has hierarchy. Like, and it's, it gives you structure. So, um, uh, like, for example, Miss McLaughlin is my superior. And I don't really call her Miss McLaughlin, but I mean, we know, we recognize that she is sort of my boss. And, and you need that to have order, otherwise it's just chaos, right? So um, in schools, uh, I cannot be, let's say, uh, uh, so down to earth, I'm just, you know, yo, I'm just uh, your, your friend or something, right? It has to be like, like I am different. And even calling that name makes me sound different. But I think that's the reason why. It was weird when it first started. How many yeah. years have you, been, have you been teaching? At the end of June, so last month, it was 9.5. So it's almost up for 10 Wait, years. So where are you on the pay scale? It's like almost, well, actually, we were frozen for a year. So at the end, for some reason, I think on my paycheck, oh, I don't have to check. I maybe paid an 8.5 or a 9. I don't remember. But um, I'm not at the 10-year market. That's like 80, year. 90K or something like that. Right? Yes, it's, um, and I also took on that assistant curriculum leader thing. So I'm making 90 2000 I think yeah before tax and before union deductions and everything so I don't actually take home that much but so let me get this straight yeah teachers like 10 years in are getting paid 90k yeah and they have the summers off so why are there still like some like this agenda that like the unions try to push that you were not getting paid enough uh, oh, well, okay, so so it has to be very balanced, right? I mean, like, oh, I mean, uh, I don't know if what, this putting this on you YouTube. You guys get, is, like, dental insurance. You guys get health care. Yes, yeah, so, so I have to be very political in terms of what I'm saying because this is going on the Internet. Um, well, the TSP is going to... No, no, it's not the TDSB, it's my union. Oh, the union's um, going to uh, find this? Well, no, no, not so much bad. It's more like, no, I have my own opinion, and I'm allowed to, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not here to bash my own union or bash the TDSB or whatever. But I think um, uh, if we put into perspective, a union has to exist for a reason. And their reason for existing has to be to fight for something better all the time. Do, do you know what I mean? Even if you have the best, you want even more. Things can't so, stay stagnant, like... Well, you, you can't just be like, this is fine. We're well, just going to keep it how it is. It's called bargaining. Because what happens is you don't, the union doesn't get what it really wants. Because essentially the union goes to the government um, and says, we want these. And then the government says, we want this, right? And then so at the end, you find common ground. And then you always aim for more, but you get fewer. So one of the things we had before was um, we used to, when I first started teaching, had 20 sick days. Um, and you can bank them if you don't use them. So, I mean, like, like, 
I, I, I won't go too much into detail. If you don't use them, do you get the money for them? Yeah, right? well, Whoa. essentially, you can bank up to, I think, 120. I don't remember, right? But um, uh, what happened... I think people get sick 20 days a year. Well, well, yeah, I mean, like... like uh, I mean, it depends on your personal health. Though. Oh, I, I don't think I'm I would. On vacation. Well, yeah, I don't think I would get sick twenty. Oh God forbid, right? But um, uh, I end up um, uh, I ended up not using many of them at all. And uh, when the McGinty government came in, uh, uh, they said from now on you'll have five sick days. So it was going to be from twenty to five. So then there was a negotiation process. Now we have eleven. Do you see what I mean? So, so you go in saying, I want this, and then the person, the other party says, I want this, and you kind of find middle ground. So you don't necessarily get what the union actually says they want. Neither does the government, so it's it's always a negotiation. Yeah, but to be fair, teachers kind of do, like, create our, like, our future, like, leaders and stuff. Do you think that that has to do more with the teacher or the person? Like, if someone's destined to be, like, a national or something, do you think the teacher's, like, really, like... No, it depends. I think it is a lot with personality. I mean, I actually was able to change one of my students, um, maybe two, like in all my years. Like, I mean, this is from their anecdotal evidence, like in terms of they've told me um, sort of, and I'll I'll share this, right? So um, I had one student at Riverdale who um, didn't do well in my chemistry 12 course, and I was brand new at the school, so tons of students dropped my class because uh, when I first... Well, well, because at the beginning, like, you're supposed to scare your students. So you go in, you're like, if you don't do this, you get a zero. If you're late, you get a zero. You, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, so you set your ground rules. And I didn't realize I scared off all my students. So um, all these students went to the other section. So the other teacher that was there had, like, 33 or more cl- students, way beyond the cap size that you're supposed to have for that class. And my class was dwindling. So then I had this student um, who was struggling, and uh, he did really poorly on his first quiz. Um, and I spoke to him, and I was like, what's wrong? Like, like, you, did you take grade 11 chemistry? This is so, this is really poorly done. And then at the end, I said, you know what? I'll waive this one. I don't want you to have a bad record. I'm like, I won't count this. And I mean, I mean, technically speaking, I was following what the ministry allows me to do, which is, um, uh, it, at the end, if he's all over the place, it's that most recent, most consistent thing. Remember that outlier? If this is the outlier... Or you get to I, drop your lowest mark. Yes, but I did it at the beginning. So to hide it at the beginning, but if at the end he shows me that he's a roller coaster of marks, I'll put it back in, right? So I told him that, but I said, I can remove this boo-boo for now so you can see it doesn't affect your mark. Oh my God, the remarkable like change. I didn't realize. And then, then he actually did really well in Cambridge. And then he went into chemistry in university. And I was like, what? This is really weird. Uh, so then he, when I bumped into him at the Eden Center, like I think it was two years later, he goes, you know, you changed my life. I was like, really? really? Like, you don't really believe that when someone tells you that. And then so he was like, yeah, because you really encouraged him. I'm thinking, I did? Right? So, so I didn't realize that thing did so much, right? But, um, and then uh, uh, another student, well, these are all Riverdale students, but um, another student I, I, I bumped into at the Ribs Fest. And we talked, and then apparently I had uh, given him something similar, and uh, I had changed his life that way. I was like, oh, this is really interesting, right? So, so sometimes you do, but I don't think it's always like that. I think, like, um, uh, you know that standard bell curve, the standard deviation? Yeah, where it's like a... Like a yeah, yeah, like uh, we have a lot of students who are just sort of like very general. They have very general tastes. They have very general career goals, right? And then you have some extremes on both ends. You have some extreme high-end ones. Which and I don't mean high in a, in a very sort of I'm not trying to judge in any way, but in terms of their aim for high salaries and really risky investments and that kind of stuff. And then you have the very sort of like like the other end, which who is okay with very with mediocrity and settling. And I don't think 
I mean, whatever makes you happy, I guess, right? Do you feel like a sense of responsibility for like making sure your class is interesting? I do. I mean, but um, at the end of the day, it has to be very balanced, right? So, because so, there were definitely some times in your class where I was just like, "This is boring." Yes, yes. I, I'd rather do anything else than learn learn your stupid double bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some sometimes now, now we have to. It has to be within uh, reason, right? So, for example, um, if uh, all right. So when we have, let's say, a topic, like, let's say double bonds, let's say we're talking about pi and sigma bonds or something, right? It's quite difficult to make pi and sigma bonds, I, I, in my opinion, maybe someone else is doing a much better job of it, right? But to make them so interesting that they are, um, uh, you know, like you want to go home and read about it. Yeah. Um, uh, so my way of teaching is to simplify it so that if you don't aren't interested, at least you know, you know, pi bonds are those extra bonds. And it's not really, there's a bigger picture, it's just, I want to keep it so simple that it's easy to understand, and then sigma bonds will be the the you know the, the original single bonds. Do you do you know what I mean? And then and then we we deal with the multiple bonds as in a multiple bond has at least one sigma. You know that kind of stuff, right? But um, like part if of this, you see a student just like dozing off in your class, you say that his fault or your fault? A bit of both. Um, so uh, now now I'll tell you this, right? When we when we talk about let's say interest. Anytime you make something a chore, it's not interesting. I'll just fix it. Yeah. Down. You can sure, sure. Yeah, every time we make something a chore, it's really not interesting anymore. So, um, uh, for example, uh, as the simplest example would be, when you were a child, were you ever interested in helping your mom do or your dad do chores? No. When you were a young child. You weren't interested in trying to wash the dishes or do the laundry or, 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 or try to vacuum nothing. That was kind of like a... I don't know, I was like the only child, so I didn't really get to do that many chores. May I ask what kind of toys you had? No, I'm not trying to change it back on you, but, but it's more of, I'm trying to draw an example from this. So if you had certain toys, what toys did you have? Like, you know, some people, what they do is some, uh, 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 some kids have these playhouses, and then they can wash fake dishes, and they can cook fake oh, food. Oh, like the, yeah, that the, kind of like stuff. Like an easy bake oven. Yeah, an easy bake oven, that kind of thing. And then sometimes kids, you know, you know, they, they uh, the, and, and sometimes it gets regendered, but for the boys, sometimes they like those baking things where you make gooey um, um, bugs. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. of plastic, yeah. like in a glow-in-the-dark. Um, I wanted that, but I never got it. Oh, I, I, I never got it. I played with my neighbors, like, you know what I mean? So, but they made these really nasty-looking gummy uh, look, they're a candy. You can't eat them, but they were bugs, and then and then they glowed in the dark, and they were very cool. But um, uh, essentially, you were engaging in a manufacturing process. Do you, do you get what I mean? Like, yeah. or if you're doing easy bake, you're, you're cooking, and and when you're a kid, it's so fun. But then when you have to actually cook as a chore, it's awful. I mean, some I, I mean. I think it's awful. Some people probably love it. They actually do, right? Um, some people love to go home and cook, and then it gives them serenity. I don't know how that gives me serenity, but um, uh, but when you turn something into a chore, it's so boring. Like, it really is. Um, uh, and uh, some people, like, for example, if you love playing video games, and you turn that into a career where you just have to play a video game and explore all the little nooks and crannies to find, let's say, the little glitches here and there and yeah, whatever yeah, else, yeah. you can imagine how boring your job could be. Like, your free time would be like, God, if I don't want to see another video game. So do, do you get what I mean? So your body, because we're fickle, like our minds are fickle. If there's we no just, pressure to do something, then it becomes easier. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, because there's that thing of you're, 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 if you're forced to, to do dishes. Yes, yes. Yeah, but if it's like your first time, like 
you, no one even told you to do dishes, but you do see the dirty exactly. dishes. Exactly. And you're like, I want to try cleaning this. Yeah, exactly. And then if you want to do something nice to someone, it feels great yeah. to clean the dishes. But then if you're then like, oh my God, everyone left them for me. Then you know, your mom's like, go clean the dishes. Yeah, go clean the dishes. Yeah. yeah, then you're like, <sighs> like, you know what I mean, right? So when you go to class, it's not, I mean, I mean, the students are there because because their parents tell them they have to, and because they know they have to be, except the, you know, the skippers, right? But then when you're in class and you're listening, it's just like, oh, I'm dozing off, this is so boring, right? Because this is not something that is very interesting. Well, yeah, but you're kind of on the end of the road here. You, like, you teach high school, right? I think that if you, like, when you're starting out in like grade one or two or three, like, the things you learn generally apply to like, your real world. Oh. Like, if you learn that the earth is round, that's like something you can continuously like that applies to like your real life but if you learn that like atoms and like <laughs> electrons like <laughs> how are you how do you relate that to your everyday life well the, the problem is that you can't you can't because um uh like uh, like for most students you can't because there is no yeah, but that's why people lose like their childlike curiosity as time goes on because well, they they say that now. Now I don't actually see it that way anymore. I used to. I used to, right? But when I was in high school, I actually found a lot of things interesting, even though they weren't. Um, I was kind of geeky, though. I'm I'm still kind of geeky. But then part of it was because I I tried hard to get really good marks, and I wanted to know it really well, and I wanted to be an expert at it. So part of that made me engaged. It was the most boring material you can imagine. But if you are like, you know, if you want to know all this stuff, and I love biology, I went all the way in and I was reading all this stuff about it. It was because I, I wanted to know it well. And that was an interest. I, I Now on my free time, I don't really want to read about bio because <laughs> it's my job. But um, when I was younger, I was. And I, so I took something that wasn't very interesting and I made it interesting for me. And even if it wasn't, I wasn't falling asleep because I was trying to, you know, you know, know it well so I can get good marks. Do, do, do you know what yeah. I mean? So part of it was, it was a bit of a game for me to almost know this. It, so it was never really boring for me. Um, I mean, there were times when, like I was in university and I actually fell asleep in lecture. The, the, um, I was sitting in the, in the front row too. I was so keen. I sat at the very front, right? And I had um, not slept enough and the professor was so monotone. It was very interesting stuff. I fell asleep in front of him. Um, and uh, I was so embarrassed because uh, I was the only one sitting in front row. Like the front row was empty except yeah, me. Yeah, but there's also like <laughs> there's also like an attention span thing nowadays with like devices and stuff, and I, you're used to like short term short term yeah, media. I, I don't think it's actually train. I mean, you could train it as well, right? I don't think it's necessarily um, uh, something that's a modern phenomena. It's it's always been there. Like uh, like you know classical you know not classical songs. Okay, wait, but like you've been teaching for ten years, like have you seen a difference since when you started teaching the students to now? Like, do they are they the same? Yeah, the same. Yeah. Um, like, so I see like the past is like people reading books and stuff, like long, like being concentrated for like long periods of time. I think people tend to say that, and I think there's valid re- there there are people who are being trained to have. So what we call this um, delayed gratification. So if you want something, you need to delay it, so that like for example, if I really want a cup of water. Like right now, let's say, I'm not going to be, eh, I need a cup of water, right? So I, I can delay it. But some people now need to get it immediately. So if they feel like they're bored, they need to turn, tune into something else, right? And I think, uh, uh, I don't think it's necessarily trained from, from that. So if you look at, let's say, songs from the past. So I learned this in pop culture English. Um, uh, uh, let's say, uh, not classical songs, I'm talking about like, you know, pop songs. Like from the 50s and from the 60s and the 70s, they're usually around five minutes three to five minutes, sometimes it goes six and seven minutes, but it depends on the song, right? Um, why? Because they know that that is the amount of 
attention you have for this one song before you just get sick of it, I think, right? So, and, and if you take a look at movies, so even you have two cameras going on here, it's to change the scenery. So if you're you're doing, let's say, yeah. uh, the thing, so it's not always panned on one view, you change it up, right? You know, in music videos too, like there's always like, like, if, like especially like a rap music video, like, every, every like one second, there's like a, a switch of scenes. Exactly, like, right? And it keeps you engaged. Right? And at some point, our minds require that. So it's not a bad thing. It's just a very human thing, I think, right? But um, I think, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you you have to cater to what is human. So what I try to do in class is keep my lessons short. So we were taught in teacher's college, and so we learned some things there, uh, that the um, attention span is around 20 minutes before you really need to switch up the activities. And I know that my own attention span is even shorter than that, right? So I try to keep my lessons within that time. And then at the end, you practice. So at least you're doing something different because otherwise you fall asleep, right? And um, and I try that. It works for some people. It doesn't work for some people. Some people just sleep throughout the whole thing. And of course, uh, then I use classroom management techniques. So what I do is I, g- I get closer to them. So sometimes when they're sleeping, I'm like, you know, I get closer and I tap their desk. Or, or, or sometimes I make fun of them. I'm like, some, I call their name. And I'm like, oh my God, I'll put you to sleep again, right? And then, so, so it's just to wake them up because you're not supposed to sleep. It is one of the school rules, actually. You know, so this, it's just Why nap time like kindergarten is this? Oh, because, because you're not in kindergarten anymore. Um, because um, at some point in your life, you have to fight the urge to withdraw and disengage so like for example you're in an interview and the interview is going on for an hour so let's even this one but i mean i'm talking about a job interview and yeah, then yeah. and then you just don't want to really want to be there right or that your interviews words don't want to be there you don't want them walking out on you that's very that's very negative on your experience but you don't also want to walk on them that's your chance on a job right so so you have to learn to fight those things then for example if you end up having kids in the future there are times when you probably don't want to see your kids because kids like you know they they your energy is not fully there, but you have to fight that because these are your children. The, what you invest in your children is what you get back. If you abandon them because you're tired of them, um, uh, you reap what you sow in the future. Watch how your treats kids, your kids will treat you back, right? So, so you have so to just fight don't those be a urges. reflection of your immediate desires. Well, it's not so much. It's more like you have desires and you reason and you go, is this a reasonable desire to have at this moment to fulfill? And if it is not, so for example, now, now if I had children, I have to make certain sacrifices. So now this is not just attention sacrifices. This is also like, for example, I would love to go shopping. But if I see something I really like, I'm not going to be like, oh, oh, like, you know, whatever to that child. And they go, I'll just buy this and my child can suffer. Less fewer diapers here and there. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. fewer ba- cans of baby food or whatever you have to buy for your kid. But there are certain sacrifices you have to make. And in life, it is about this balance because there's something, an end result that is even more valuable than that immediate satisfaction. So, for example, if I chose to buy myself, then my kid gets malnourished. And, and, and at the end, that is a huge consequence I have to deal with compared to the minor consequence of, oh, I didn't get what I wanted at the store, which is all right at the end of the day. It's just another T-shirt. It's not like I have no T-shirts at home. But so you, you reason and you balance it out. And that's why in school, you sort of reason that. It's like, do I fall asleep at this time? Do I choose to disengage? And it's like, no, I have to fight through this because I'm trying to listen, which is half the battle of doing well on a test. Well, I wouldn't say literally half. I'm not... It's not calculated. But you pay attention, you make connections in your mind, you go home, you read the material again, you're reinforcing those dendritic connections in your brain, and then um, it's a little simpler than you go home and learn it for the first time. 
that's a little harder, I think, right? So um, you um, you had the choice to, to teach like any like like you could have taught primary school or middle school or high school. So why did you choose high school? Well, because um, at that point I had to make a decision, and you just have to choose. Um, I I think uh, I do like. Or? I do like the maturity of high school students, but I mean, like, I don't know enough about elementary to actually <laughs> comment. I sometimes do comment because my brother is in elementary, and he keeps saying, oh, I can't, don't know how you deal with high school students, and then so I joke back and I say, I don't know how you deal with little kids. But I, I don't really know. That's not really a, an accurate answer. I don't really know what you would do when you're dealing with little kids. Sometimes they do say really immature things. So, for example, when I was teaching you, you wouldn't say, like, one of my, bro my brother's comments were from his students. Uh, oh, someone so-and-so is acting like a lady. So you would never go up to me and go, oh, so-and-so is acting like a lady. It's like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that level of cognitive uh, ability is very different. But then you deal with it when you're there. Um, and I think, I mean, sometimes you go to high school, and then there are certain things you deal with as well. I mean, with high school students, sometimes they're very moody, right? Like, I've had to deal with some some students that were not very, um, that were a little unpleasant sometimes. Like, I, I, I taught GLE at Northview, and one of my students... All right, we're back. There was a little interruption of the cut. Thoughts on abortion? Oh, 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 oh okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, I, I I'm quite mixed on it, which is very interesting. Um, I, I used to be very uh, I used to be very pro. I used to be pro-choice. Yeah, I used to and be pro-choice. And then pro I kind of switched to pro, like, kind of like midway between pro-life. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of midway in between too, but because the thing is, um, uh, uh, I, I, maybe it's part of maturity. Like, um, uh, you you get a more balanced view. It is not um, a matter of for for me a matter of oh you're you're restricting a woman's right or whatever. And there's no need to be angry. I mean, like I'm glad I'm talking to you about it as opposed to you know a person who's very pro let's say choice. And then as, as soon as I say the wrong thing, they squash me like a bug. Right? Um, it's more of. Uh, if you're talking about pro-choice, there are very valid reasons for pro-choice. I used to be very like, you know, your body, your choice and stuff like that. Yeah, but, then, I, but then I kind of, you know who Ben Shapiro is? Yes, I do. Yes, he's I very, do. You watch his show? He's very uh, right-wing, but like, I don't agree with everything he says, but like the points he made on abortion like, kind of shifted me towards yeah, yeah. like middle ground. Because yeah, yeah. like he had this one bit, like there's this thing that people say where, you know, if you're a male, you shouldn't have an opinion on it because like, you're not like you don't have a mm -hmm. uterus mm -hmm. but like in that same way like okay if there's people getting murdered in backyards like you may not have a backyard of your own but like it's still not right right yeah exactly exactly and the, the argument that a lot of people make is to shut you out um uh, when you see those arguments which exclude you then you know that they're they're, they're logically they're like they're logically wrong like they're in terms of you don't have to have a uterus to to make that claim like like to to have an opinion about it whether or not they think your opinion matters that's up to them but um you don't have to be a woman or be a fertile woman because at some point then you could be like what if you were a woman but you cannot conceive what if you're a woman but you had uterine cancer and you got your uterus removed then then at yeah. some point you can't have an opinion yeah. it's just like what like at some point it's like i i have i'm entitled to an opinion whether or not you care about it is a different problem right but yeah but um uh I think pro-choice, yeah, of course some women are allowed to choose. This is what you, I'm not the one who says you have to do whatever with your body. But at the same time, to take a look at what happens when people do choose that. So people who choose abortion, what we don't know for some of them, right, is that um, they actually regret it afterwards. Not regret that they um, 
had an abortion, but more of they feel guilty. They feel that they've killed their child, right? And this is a, um, I don't know how common this runs because it is hard to survey something like this, right? But um, uh, you end up getting women who feel a lifetime of guilt because they feel like they, they murdered this child, right? So what do we do for the women who feel this? And then for the people who are very, um, pr let's say, pro-life, so pro-life is, okay, so, so we, we keep the child and whatever, right? Um, do we do anything to, to support these women? Like, like these financially, these women may be single, right? So they may have one income only, or these women may resent this child. So why would you want um, a child to grow up in a toxic environment where the mom regrets having the child? So you have to look at it with a balance. So I don't really know where I stand on it, well, uh, other than sometimes like it fits this and sometimes it fits that. I don't really know. I used to be, yeah, very pro-choice, but now I'm very, I don't really know anymore, right? So, I feel like it's hard to draw the line when, you know, a person becomes a person. Yeah, yeah I, I understand. Uh, and then that's the where you're, the, a lot of the arguments come from because they're choosing different points. Some they're saying, but they're not human yet, whereas someone's saying it is already human I feel like at this point. It's better to have like a case-by-case -case kind of way of looking at it. Cause like if it's like you're teenagers and you know you accidentally had a child and you have an abortion, that's kind of unfortunate because you know just practice safe sex. That's but like yeah yeah I mean I think that no you're you're right in terms of like uh, in terms of how I agree with it. Um, uh, I mean it is case by but like, case. But like yeah. if it's like someone who's like been raped, like it's kind of messed up to make her go to term with that child. Yes. No. No. Unfortunately, this is also a faith issue. Now, um, uh, what it means is, uh, I think part of the reason why I've I've changed my view as well is because my faith has changed. I used to be a very I used to be an atheist, right? But uh, 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 becoming Christian, I've changed. But strangely, I haven't changed to pro life. It's more of I've changed. To, I don't really know. Like, what's the Christian viewpoint on? Well, the Christian. The Christian viewpoint is that God can save you from your sins, right? So sins are anything that God did not sort of permit or is not um, under the will of God, right? So what it means is uh, if you uh, kill a child, <laughs> you're, 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 you've committed murder. But in Christianity, Jesus saves us from our sins, right? So, so for me, I'm thinking, yes, you could commit that. But, um, uh, but this sometimes because women have done an abortion, they've sought Christ and they got saved because they couldn't live with that guilt. This is where I've learned there's such thing as this guilt. I never knew that people would be guilty after making this choice. But um, uh, they would seek, uh, or, or like, you know, in my faith, faith system, our Lord Jesus Christ, and to, to wash their sins. Um, and it is because of this that they now start to seek God. So isn't that a positive thing? Do you get what I mean? So if they didn't do the abortion and, and whatever, then they would never have sought God. So I don't know. Like, then now I'm just thinking, but that's a vessel that God can use that is neg negative to draw them towards him, right? So I think it's very hard for me to say if it's a good or bad thing anymore. And to see Christians, like, you know, try to change the law. Like, in, you know, sometimes you hear in the United States, these Christian groups um, trying to sort of, like, assert um, political views, saying that we should outlaw abortion and stuff. I'm thinking, but so, so but we're living in, in this world, which we know is, according to our faith, is fallen, that, um, uh, like, God can redeem us from. And now we're changing this to be heaven on earth? Like, this is not... And something doesn't really match. We're not supposed to. We're supposed to long for our, our heavenly kingdom, not this world. Do you oh, yeah, know there's like I mean? these places like where, you know, uh, what's it called? You know where Planned Parenthood is? Like those I, I know of it, yeah. Where yeah. they like perform abortions? Yes. They're like these fake like 
things that like make it seem like that's a place where they do abortions like they advertise like we do abortions here and then in reality they just like they get like a scan of the baby and then they're like keep the child or whatever like well, that it that it didn't know i thought planned parenthood was uh, was probably no, no, no. more pro- no planned parenthood is like the official like place oh, oh, where oh, they I do the it. abortions yeah, yeah, yeah. but then there are these fake sites where like they try, like they tell women who are pregnant that want an abortion like we do abortions here but in reality like they take them there and then they kind of like try to make them feel guilty like if yeah. they were run by Christian groups, then that's deception. Yeah, I think, they, are, I think they are. Yeah, they, they kind of are, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, but do you see, see that when, when Christians choose to do this, they're actually using a sin to cover another sin. So now they're deceiving others, which is lying. And deceiving is sinful to assert an agenda. So under God's law, this is all wrong. <laughs> do you get what I mean? Like, 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 it's very strange when, like, you know, when some people uh, justify sin. Well, like, are some sins worse than others, or...? No sin is sin. Our, our our first sin is to if we and all us Christians are supposed to commit this is to love our Lord with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul every moment of the day and none of us can live up to that. So we're all sinners. Um and and so to say one sin is worse than the other is to say something like oh murder is more sinful than let's say uh uh hitting a, ch- a child or let's say um uh, lying to somebody. But in uh, but Jesus has clarified that in my faith. Jesus has said in Matthew and in I think another gospel that to hate your brother is murder. And so for, if you have hateful thoughts, you've committed murder. So we cannot live up to God's standard of what perfection is. So we've all sinned. So if I hated someone, it's as bad as I've, if I murdered this person. So, so like the view of Christianity is that like all people are like inherently bad? We or have inherently, sin nature. So like nature, also yes. humans aren't like perfect. Is that what you're saying? Humans, well, well, well we're, we were created in the image of God, but we were given free will and we chose to leave him, but God draws us back in. So um, we live in our fallen world and when we um, go through negative things, sometimes that's when, like in my faith system, right, it is when God comes to sort of draw us back in, right? So do, do you know what I mean? Like, so, so the thing is, uh, yeah, so in my faith system, we are all fundamentally sinners. But we've been washed and cleansed. If you accept Christ, right? Um, what that means is Christ can save you from this sin because you cannot save yourself. Because we are, we want sin. Like our flesh fights with God. Like we just want, like you know, to be carnal. We want to, you know, we want to satisfy our fleshly desires. All that kind of stuff. We want to deceive. We want to uh, uh, murder. We want to hate. But um, uh, God can redeem us from that. Yeah, so that's that's my faith. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry. We ended up, I guess in abortion, it went that way, right? But um, uh, I was thinking, how did we talk about this? But um, but it, my faith system informs some of these views now. So um, and I think with you, uh, uh, does your do, are you are you of faith? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Sikh. Okay. Yes. Yes. So um, and you be- also believe in in God. Uh, cause, yeah. Uh, Islam told me what that that um bracelet stands for. Oh, uh, the the unity of God, like the the oneness of the oh, like yeah. as in. Oh, but there's another reason for it. It's um like you wear it on like your dominant hand, and like people like if you're like doing like an an act of wrongdoing, you tend to do it with your dominant hand. So like before you do it, you have to look at the bracelet. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. So like if you're about to like slap a child, like you you do it with your right hand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you have to look at the bracelet. And it kind of reminds you, like. Yes. Yes. Don't do that, you know. Yeah. You know, well, to, to remind you of, of faith, and that's what, like, in in this system, I think some Christians are very similar. They wear a cross. So when they're about to swear at somebody... Some people get, like, like tattooed, like, too, right? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So some people get it tattooed here. Some people get it tattooed somewhere in their yeah. body, right? But what it is to remind them of is you're a representative of God. 
so are you about to cuss this person out? Like, you know, and we're across at the same time. Are you going to cover the cross and cuss? Do you know that kind of thing, right? So it's, I think it's in a way similar. It reminds you of your faith because sometimes we're so, it, 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 we're so easily sort of deceived into behaving a certain way and our, our sort of instincts kick in. Like, do you know what I mean? Like our, our, our old thought patterns, our, our bad habits kick in. So, um, yeah, so something like that would remind us. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and there's also like a thing like the reason I wear a turban is because like, I it's like a thing to like people know like what you are like like it's hard, like I don't know I don't know if it's like a like an outwardly like appearance thing but like if you look at like the general population you can't really tell what people like believe in or yeah well, just by uh, looking at them you you're, you're right um some but sometimes you can but it's based on some symbols right? like for yeah. example the the term it is one right the hijab would be another one right yeah. um but um of course we well, they, we teach people not to make assumptions about them which is why i asked anyway because yeah. you could be a cultural Sikh as opposed to do you know some yeah, people yeah. are culturally that way because their family is that so there are some secular jews so they practice all the holidays but they don't necessarily believe in in yahweh which is the, the same goddess Christianity, but um, uh, yeah. So I understand. So that's why I asked you. I didn't mean to. Yeah. yeah the weird thing is too, like, there's uh, the the courts for Ryerson is like called intro to Sikhism, but like, Sikhism isn't really a thing. It's like a term that was like coined by like the British government. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things like Sikh. Sikh isn't like it's pronounced Sikh. Like, Sikh, like Sikh. you're Sikh. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, every single time I've heard anyone say the word, they've said Sikh. I'm so sorry. But yeah. no, 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 I learned I, it that way. <laughs> no, but it's yeah. so weird because like the way you see it, S I K H, like it kind of. Seems but it could be pronounced Sikh as well from that from that writing. Oh, like from Sikh? the spelling. Yeah. No, but no it like, could be pronounced Sikh. Yeah, no, yeah. but like that's the thing. Like, isn't it weird that people say Sikh, yeah. but it's spelled S I K H? Yeah, That's yeah. kind of weird, but. Anyways, but, um, but in your faith system, how what what are your views on abortion? Because you told me that you are now sort of in the center, but does your faith affect that uh, or inform it's that? It's pretty pro life based, but I I read a, a YouTube video of like a person that was sick and like trying to preach my religion, mm-hmm. and what he said that it was you generally go by like a case by case scenario. Like you shouldn't like like if a girl's been raped, and like you shouldn't really like like to make her go to term with that is kind of like yeah but then there's also like a thing where like a child like shouldn't really be um like there's a specific verse in like a religious text like in a sick religious text where it's like the child like begs to be brought because like the the womb is like the fire like because like there's so much chance for like wrong things that like Mm -hmm. you could like miscarry and stuff like the child's like begging to like make it to life so from that perspective you kind of wouldn't want abortions at all because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you look at it from the perspective of the child like they want to be brought to life mm-hmm. okay okay so but then also you kind of have to think about the the woman like she's the one that ultimately has to carry the child so like yeah but then there's also like there's this big thing on karma in our religion Mm-hmm. And it that's where like I kind of find it weird because then if you look at like rape like it kind of makes it seem like the woman like the woman's at fault for like being raped if you look at karma because I believe because like our religion is like karma based like if you do something good then like that'll follow on but like if things balance out mm-hmm. no I, I know what you mean so so something must have happened yeah for this no to- and we also believe in like reincarnation and how like so like thing is if you don't like 
connect with your God like on like the first try. Mm-hmm. No, I just, wait, I got it. Wait, hold up. So there's there's no heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. It's either like you connect with God or you just you stay on earth. That's that's it's one similar of the, to Hinduism. Yeah, the, the, the samsara well, to break it, free from the. But uh, yeah, that's the thing I found like kind of weird about other religions because like. Okay, I, I don't want to offend you. Or no, no, I, I'm not offended in any way. Trust me, like, trust me. You can try <laughs> me. Trust me. <laughs> but like, I felt like you know, if your if your God like really like loved you, like why would He only give you one chance to make it to heaven or hell? Like that's that's kind of extreme. Like you have one chance on earth. It's either you you spend an eternity suffering in hell or you're in the clouds with angels. Like that's kind of that kind of seems a really extreme way of. But I, I, I understand. I'll answer you quickly without. I'm not offended anyway. Trust me. Um, it's not my offense to take, really. If God's offended, then God takes offense. But um, uh, it's more of uh, our God is the one who also sent His Son to die for our sins. Our our now I know this sounds like like really strange to other people who are not familiar with Christianity. Why can someone die for your sins? But essentially, our sins are punishable by death. So in Judaism, which is the precursor to Christianity, because Jesus was a Jew. Right, um, uh, Jews used to sacrifice bl- uh, blameless, a uh, perfect lamb, like to to atone for their sin. So it's to say, my sin kills, but um, someone else died for my sin. But at the end, I will have to pay for my sin as well. So um, uh, you know this. You may have heard the story of Passover. Um, uh, you may have seen it in a movie or something um, about the Ten Commandments or something. I'm not sure if you've seen that. So, so essentially, Pharaoh. So in this story, right? Pharaoh um, uh, uh, and Moses were. You, you've heard of Moses, yeah. right? The, well, the Ark. The, 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 well, he uh, related to the Ark of the Covenant. Though you think of the, I think the Ark, um, uh, the one that floats with the, with around, the, with right? The animals. That's someone else. Okay. God, okay. oh, what is his name? I don't remember at the moment. But um, oh, uh, Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Oh, Noah. Yeah, yeah. Noah. Yeah, I couldn't remember. But um, uh, so uh, in that story, uh, God says uh, he will destroy the firstborn of every family in Egypt, including the Israelites, uh, including Pharaoh's son. But um, to make sure that um, you have judgment pass over you, which is why it's called Passover in, 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 um, in Judaism, you take you, you sacrifice a lamb, a perfect lamb. No, no deformities, no broken bones, anything, right? And uh, you take its blood and you smear it on your doorpost so that it passes, judgment passes over. So what that means is you recognize I deserve to die for my sins, right? But um, uh, uh, I've let something innocent die in my place. So then because God has been trying to pull us back all these times and he hasn't, you know, we keep ignoring him, his last thing to send was his son. His son um, is supposed to be the perfect sacrifice. He's perfect, right? And then so uh, he died for our sins. And then if we accept him as our sacrifice, judgment passes over us. So it is more of, I know from the outside view, it may be that God is so harsh that we only get one life to sort of prove something. But this life, God said, I sent my son to die for you. Choose him. If you do not choose him, what that means is you've chosen to be against God's ways. So you will be with the devil and and where... uh, uh, He's sort of destined to go, right? So that's, that's the, the view. And I understand um, um, some people may have shorter lives than others to sort of do this, right? But God um, has said, and Jesus has said in his uh, uh, parables, um, God comes and, and takes your life like a thief comes. You never know when it happens. You're not supposed to just be lazy and just go, ah, wait, and all wait, that so kind of Wait, so what if like stuff. a child dies? What happens then? 
God also said, right, that uh, God loves children and he will um, punish those harshly who sort of hurt children and all that kind of stuff. So based on scripture saying that God has the angels to protect children, I know that something good is happening with them, but it is not fully answered. Like in terms of, I know God's heart. God's heart is to protect children. He thinks children are vulnerable and he is there to send his angels there. I have uh, absolute peace with how my, my God will deal with children who die, you know, you know, very young. Like, for example, I had relatives who died uh, when they were four from cancer, right? And uh, they were twins, too, um, and leukemia. Um, both of them had it. Um, and uh, uh, I, I questioned, well, how, why would God let them die? They have never had a chance. Like, you know, they're kids, right? And, and I realized in, in my faith now that God will have some way to, to deal with them. Because you see the love of God. I know, what he will, I know what, that he will love them, but I don't know what he will do. There are many things that will be kept as mysteries. For example, we don't know what our heaven looks like. We're told that our heaven is more spectacular and grand than anything you've ever seen. We'll be living like the angels as opposed to have, uh, um, humans, like in a human form. So, um, like, like okay, a little just, sample. Okay, that kind of disproves what I was going to say because I, I think I read something before that says, like, if you're, like, a child and, like, you're a Christian, like, the belief is that you immediately, like, go to heaven. Or something like that. Uh, maybe I missed something in scripture, but um, okay. I, I don't know. I, I like what I do know is that there's not th- from my what I've read is that there isn't any enough information to see what will happen in terms of uh, uh, how a child who has not accepted Christ is this poor child going to burn for eternity? Because when you're we haven't even learned language, how are you going to know who Christ is? Do you get what I mean? But but I know God protects children. So how could a protector of children suddenly change and go, I'm going to burn you in hell because you never accepted my son? <laughs> like, I, yeah. like for me, that would be silliness, right? And then so I know that um, uh, uh, I can know they're in good hands. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. Isn't it kind of like weird how like you're like a... Okay, no, I don't know if this is weird, but like it's kind of like you're like a science teacher, like rooted in like science and like but like you're also like faithful like that's doesn't science th- kind of disagree with religion i'll tell you it's a lot bigger of a story than you think okay so um my one of my first uh, things there was a a, prof- uh, a, a doc- doctor so I, I won't really name her but she was a doctor she taught with me um uh, uh she's a doctor in microbiology she knows her stuff so well she actually gave me a lot of my grade 12 resources right um thanks to her i actually am where i am right now as a teacher she one time I asked her because I was atheist back then, um, and I was like, "How could you be Christian?" Like, she, she goes, "If you actually knew the intricacies of microbiology, there's no way you can be an atheist." I thought, "What?" Right? She goes, "The the level of organization in our cells and in in and to the microscopic uh, molecular level, um, there's no way you can um, you can be an atheist once you see that." I was like. I took her word for it, but I mean, like, I didn't know enough about microbiology to, to justify this. But if you take a look, I mean, like, like we, we say evolution, like that kind of that organization developed over time. Oh, like, well, yeah. But, but so one of the things that they say, well, is, yeah, you don't believe in evolution at all, right? I wouldn't put it that way either. Um, uh, so so the thing is, um, uh, OK, evolution is one of those things where you talk about uh, small changes over long periods of time eventually lead to big changes, right? Yeah. So, uh, for example, you can, uh, for uh, if a population, let's say we selected a certain population more than another, over time, this population will change to only that, 
and then it will look very different. So, um, uh, how do I give a, a not very racist by accident example, right? So, if you look at Africa, there are some people who are black, right? Um, and uh, why? Because we believe in our evolutionary theory that they've been. Yes, that it protects them from, from skin the sun. cancer. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, be and and that that maybe the other ones actually either migrated because they couldn't stand all the sunburn. <laughs> I don't or know. Or no, that or all people were like born black, but then, as the people moved to areas where it was colder, it no longer became necessary to have melanin. So they say they say that, but have so we? So that's why people are white. But can we, but if you take so what they're saying is if you uh, have a population change over many many years essentially that population looks very different from another one so this mm-hmm. is you know within a population changing because of yeah. of, of geography or, or something right but at the end of the day a black person and a white person is still human in terms of they uh, they're the same species so biologically a species can mate with each other and have viable children yeah and they still do so um uh, we scientists can argue well of course because we have not had many years yeah um, in our history but we've had humans. enough years to change skin tones we had enough years to show changes. But not in, in that we are not like compatible with each other. Yes, but if you actually take a look at the fossil record, it actually may show you something a little more different than you think. So essentially, we've seen some fossils, and we've seen our current animals and, and living things, right? We want to connect them, so we try to find intermediate fossils to bridge the gap. So for example, you see a dog, and you see this thing that may have been aquatic, but has some similarities to a dog. So you want to find intermediate things. I'll tell you that a lot of times that evidence is missing. Now, it, 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 does it mean that it's false? No, it doesn't mean that, right? But does it mean that um, uh, you can know with absolute certainty that that happened? I wouldn't go that far. You really don't have enough evidence, right? So, um, so it kind of pushes towards God just created this thing. So, for example, uh, I mean, in my faith system, I would have to accept that. Otherwise, I would not be of faith, right? But um, for, let's say, you look at your DNA. It has a language, right? It has the A's, T's, C's, and G. Did, did you take bio? Yeah, yeah. You learned about 11. I, I didn't, I didn't need, oh, I yeah. forgot what it was called. Yeah, yeah. no, but yeah, those, those, those bases. And then, then they are codons. The three sets of three code for amino acids. This set of three codes to this and this set of three codes to that. Um, to think that that arose from the random chance of molecules assembling under favorable conditions to any form of life that can actually have language, like intelligence, I think is as far-fetched as believing that there's a god. I really do. So you think this is a toss-up between evolution and... Well, I wouldn't creators. say, I mean, like, I wouldn't say, I would say that some parts of evolution are, seem logical and they may actually be true, but, but to say that they can change from one species into another, an E. coli bacteria that has picked up antibiotic resistance genes is still E. coli. Do you know what I mean? It may have different traits, but it's yeah. still E. coli. So, so, so you believe that things like humans started out as just humans and then... In, yeah, in my faith system, they were created on the sixth day, I think, yeah, uh, um, and seventh day was his Sabbath. I don't remember, but um, animals and plants are created first. Oh, isn't there like this day mi- before? Isn't there this thing where like the mitochondria, like it looks like it started from like one person or something, like the mitochondrial. Oh, the mitochondrial DNA. So uh, it shows a different ancestry like as well. Like it started from like one person. That could be supposedly be Eve. Well, they, they, you know, there's a lot of sensationalism in it. So mitochondrial DNA shows you a different... 
Oh no no no! I think that's scientific. Uh uh uh, Eve. They they called this person Eve as a as a societal thing, but it, it's because um uh uh like for example the Higgs boson particle. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um uh, they call it the God particle. <laughs> the person people found it don't believe in God. I don't think necessarily, but they called it that because it makes a very sensational news story that a lot of people can relate to. Um, and uh, like this is one of the subatomic subnuclear particles. I don't remember, right? But um, uh, but to name this can trace you back to ancestral Eve is not to say uh, uh, that they believe in Adam and Eve. It's to say that they can trace it back to the origins of humanity. But it's so much easier to use the name Eve. It conveys the message immediately. Do you know what I mean? So they don't necessarily believe it. So it's not Christian propaganda. I think it is actually just you know a very clever use of something to convey a message using very little language, right? And um, it is to say that because your mitochondrial DNA is different than your own DNA, because um, there is also the belief that mitochondria used to be symbiotic bacteria that or prokaryotes that we took in. They 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 were you know prokaryotes and then eukaryotes merge with them and then they you know I help you you help me that kind of thing right? oh, yeah yeah so so there's that and then that's why they have a different lineage of DNA um and uh, if you trace it back they're saying you could find out more about human ancestry but to say that you can find Eve I don't think that's what they were saying they were saying you could trace it back to an origin of where the people came from that's what they're saying you think a blue collar crime is worse or a white collar crime like as in oh, like Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a blue collar crime is like you, like, you, know, you like, go to like a convenience store and you rob the place oh okay, okay, okay. now white collar crime is like, like, like you just manage your uh, like a hedge fund and oh okay okay, okay. And you, like like accounting you, fraud you screw or something. over like your employees by like typing in false numbers but i would have said years ago that the um uh, when i was a lot younger that because the there's a story that um like in 2001 there's a company called enron and they were they made it seem like they were a successful company but because yeah. like the the accountants were in on it and then like the the manager of it like he was eventually like like they eventually caught them for like stock fraud or or whatever and the 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 guy at the top that like screwed over all his employees because employees are like they're like retirement savings were like stocks were some of their retirement savings were in stocks in this company and so like he's effectively just screwed over like thousands and tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. and like the very top guy like the ceo the guy who had the plan for everything only got like six to seven years and he's out now but if someone like like stabs somebody that's like 20 25 like it's more direct it's definitely more direct if you like do a blue collar crime right i i know i know what you mean because blue collar crimes i guess in this case mean that you could potentially really seriously injure the other party Whereas the other one, I mean, you can injure them financially, but I don't think... But it's a they're... lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot of people. But so, so um, unfortunately, now... Be... No, I wouldn't say I'm fortunate. I, I guess I, I'm using the wrong word. Now that I have my, a, a different faith system, I believe they're both equally bad. But oh, um, you, is there's like this thing in Christianity where like all sins are equal? Yes. Uh, you, go, uh, you rebel against God, which is doing what he says no to. That is sin. Oh, yeah. I never... Oh, that's kind of weird to me because the guy in my class we're doing like some english debate thing and he he mentioned that all sins are equal and i was trying to wrap like the whole day afterwards i was trying to wrap my head around it like how do you see like a a murder and like yelling at a kid because god's standard is impossible for humans to meet so uh, it's to say if you do this it is as bad as this so um uh like like i'll explain this this way and and i don't i'm not the authority on christianity so it's very hard for me to i don't want to 
sound like I am, but from what I understood, right, is that God is holy. He is the creator of our universe. To, to turn your back on him and to say, you know what, I'm not listening to you. That is to, to say that is you are a liar. In, that's equal in all circumstances. But, but when you kill somebody or when you steal from somebody, you've told God you're wrong. I'm right. I'm God. Do you know what I mean? I know what's right. You don't. You don't understand me. That kind of thing, right? And to, to rebel against the creator of our universe this way is to not know your place, right? It's essentially, that's God. You're his subject. Do you, do you, do, so, so when that happens, you've sinned. Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, like, of course, it hurts other people. And we understand in Christianity, some sins hurt more people than others. So we're not saying that it means it's worth more or less. For example, um, if someone got raped, so let's go back to the abortion thing, right? Um, and she chooses to have an abortion. Now, someone's sin caused another person to sin. Do, do you know what I mean? And then so, for example, if someone killed my parents for some reason, and I go and I kill them back, let's say, right? I'm not going to, right? I'm not saying. I hope that never happens, right? But like, do you get what I mean? Like, like, if I go and do that, does someone's sin cause this brokenness in me that I have to satiate now by, by committing more sin? So there are some sins that affect a lot of people. So even things like Boeing, you know, Boeing had oh, the like 737. Oh, like their airplane was like yes, messed and up. And they're, like, they're planning and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? So um, uh, it was an autopilot trying to compensate for the imbalanced weight of the plane, right? And then, and now who's responsible? Do you know what I mean? Is it the engineer? Is it the, and these people died, is it the pilots because they weren't able to overcome the, the autopilot and all that kind of stuff? But these sins caused hundreds of people to lose loved ones. Do, do you know what I mean? So this sin affected so many people but we know that um uh, uh it affects others but it doesn't mean it's more grave than another and in fact isn't the person who caused that because they're negligent didn't that person commit murder because they know something like this could have happened isn't that equally as bad as someone taking a gun on and shooting somebody so like the person who uh, did the who did the uh what's it called who the person who wrote the code for the airplane he'd be just as in fault as like the pilot who couldn't maneuver away. Yeah, so, so it, I, I'm not God in this, right? Um, uh, God will judge this. If this is an actual thing of, I didn't even know, then you're innocent from this. Do you get like, like, but if you knew that something like this could have happened and you took, and greed took you over, right? And you let something happen, right? then God will hold you accountable. It's not me holding people accountable. It's God. Do you know? And you know, don't want to answer to him that way. Like you, but he can save you from this sin as well. It's more of, it's more of like going back to that thing, all sins are equal. So for, um, if somebody robbed, uh, did a blue call thing and killed the store clerk while robbing versus that, they're both sins. Now, my fleshly nature is going to say, well, no, I, if that person killed my loved one, do you know what I mean? That's like an that, emotional like yeah, it's an thing, emotional yeah, thing. Response yes, yes. to it. But uh, under God's law, all of this is sin. Yeah, uh, well, it's His standard, not mine. And I can't, I can't, like, I mean, my standard is awfully broken. Like, it, it's, it, like, if we're uh, mine is so situational. It's like as long as it doesn't happen to me. If it's me, then it's worth like everything. Do you know what I mean? Someone sins against me. Oh my God, God forbid, right? But I, I can't be like that because the thing is, there has to be an objective standard, and the objective standard is God. So that way, um, we don't have sermons. We shouldn't have sermons where God, or, or our ministers or whatever say, this sin is worth a little more and this sin is worth a little less. Do, do you get what I mean? Uh, it should all be, all sins are equal and they're judged under the eyes of God. As a teacher, do you ever feel like, um, do you ever feel pressured to like inflate grades, especially in grade 12? 
I mean, do I feel pressure? Yes. Do I give in to it? Not really. I mean, so I mean, you probably know. Um, uh, the uh, I, I can't give in to it because um, uh, that also breaks um, a sense of trust among our school and my colleagues because we have to be consistent with the other teachers as well. If I'm doing a favoritism thing where I'm just like, oh, we'll give you five marks or five percent here and give you this and give you that, um, it ends up going really against sort of our, uh, our equality in our school system, right? Um, uh, do I feel pressure? Yes, I feel pressure because um, uh, I'm human. When I hear that students uh, are within marks of getting into the dream program, as much as I believe that this dream program cannot deliver you, it's not your savior, like, you know what I mean? But as much as I believe that, I know that it is very important for them because I've been there too. What you know how much I want to get into house side? What was your average in grade 12? I actually got 94.6, but I had it inflated to 95. <laughs> The reason what? was because uh, I needed the president's scholarship. You had a so I, I went to average? guidance to ask. Yeah, I went to guidance and I asked four different teachers to raise it by one to get it um, to a, a guaranteed ninety-five point something or whatever. But it was so that I could get the president's scholarship. It was a difference of like three thousand dollars at that time or something like that. I think your university matters. Like if you look at like your friends now, like like I feel like people are going to be successful like depending on the person, not on like. Where I agree with that. I I agree with that. I think. We uh, we can't discount what the university can do for us. Like it right? opens doors and stuff, but I feel like it it does, right? So you end up being where you are because of where you are from, right? So um, for example, a lot of my uh, uh, friends ended up having something to do with McMaster at the end, right? Like in my program, so they did some research there and they have connections there, of course, because you're at McMaster, you wouldn't go to U of T to do research. So um, uh, they have connections from there, and of course, that leads you into something different, maybe than if you went to U of T or Queens. But um, uh, my program was so radically different. I think it did change me. I can't say it didn't. I can't say that if I went to U of T, it would be exactly the same. It, it, it's not. I mean, it really informed the way I thought as well. Um, this program is so strange. Like, it's an inquiry-based program. It really challenged all my assumptions about things. Um, and um, uh, I think it made me a lot of who I am now. But does it mean that every program is designed the same way? I don't think so. But um, does it mean that I was the, everyone in my program got the same thing out of it? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So so it depends. Yeah, it depends. All right. I think this is a good a good place to end this. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say to the? Oh uh, no no to, I, I to the teachers was... union or the TSP? <laughs> no, it's all right. Thank you. More I say the more I'll probably get wrong. So. <laughs> You know, until I'm starting the next day. <laughs> I know, I know, exactly. All right, yeah.